Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. This morning I'm going to bring something that's probably a little bit unusual, but it, it kind of goes along with um, what we've been talking about at conference. And I want to tell you a little story and then I'm going to unpack it for you all. It was two years ago... Um, by the way, I'm three years cancer-free for all the women that weren't in the room. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And I'm just so grateful. So, so grateful. And um, it was two years ago that I received an email from the Charismatic Catholics of Rome. And it was describing an event that the Vatican wanted to host to pray for the earth. It's a big thing. Let's pray for the earth and all that it is suffering under. To pray for unity among the people of faith. To stand in St. Peter's Square to worship together and exalt the name of Jesus. To believe for new days of the power of the Holy Spirit. Who knows that what we need is just fresh oil. We need the power of the Holy Spirit across this earth. And to be honest, you know, I was only a year out of treatment. I was still finding my feet. I hadn't really said yes to any invites. And my PA, Margie, who is here this morning, where are you, beautiful Margie Holmes? Stand up so everyone can just honour you this morning. (laughs) Um, Margie said to me, you may want to have a look at this one. So when I found out about the intent behind the request... My heart leapt because I've got to tell you that I've learnt from a really young age that worship truly does change everything. Because when God's rule and reign is declared over any area, miracles occur. I've found myself on the wings of worship just following the call of God in the most random of places, finding that worship changes everything. I'll never forget one day being in Zimbabwe Um, And we'd been invited with um, Joyce Meyer and Mugabe's government knew that we were all there. And so I remember going out to lead worship and in the middle of about the second song, these two armed guards with automatic rifles just come right out behind me. And I'm thinking this next note better be a good one. (laughs) Or we're going down, people. And... um, and, you know, so much intimidation. And then it was so funny because at, I, I have a little secret button on my microphone that I can talk to the band in their ears. And I'm saying to them, just stay resolute. We can do this. God is awesome. And they're all like, ee, you know. <laughs> but at the end, like these guards stood there. And at the end of the night, you know, they just literally walked off and just asked us for our autographs. Like that's how intimidating it was not. And... Um, I'm amazed at where we find ourselves when it comes to worship. And worship has the ability, when it is declared over the most broken areas, to see people find their strength, to see people find their song, to see people catch a glimpse of God's heart for them, whereas buried in their own 
lack and lack of identity and lack of understanding who they are. They find themselves buried under rubbles of grief and pain. And worship has the ability to help them find a song, help them find truth in God, help them lift up their heads. Beth was telling me that her and, and Matt were just at um, Las Vegas, yeah, singing songs of hope over that city that is mourning and aching as it should and yet a song of hope is sometimes all that can make any difference. So here we were and the mission remains the same, to release worship, to exalt Jesus, to see the kingdom of God come and have his way. And it never worries me where I am. I've just learned to rest in the fullness of God's indwelling presence. And Psalm 34, 7 says that his angels surround me. So this entire preparation time of this, this Catholic event, um, the event was being prayed over and there were so many intercessory um, groups around the planet praying over this event. It was super well organised, I will say that, a little side note. And I felt very honoured I knew that God was going to do something magnificent. When we arrived in Rome, I can't begin to tell you just how beautiful it was. Many shared conversations, meals with church leaders, lots of time to converse and pray together and be engaged in relationship before we stepped out into the event. It was very godly. It was very family there was no superstars. There was no big deal around the Pope. There was no talk even of Mary. There was just talk about Jesus and his church. And there was an overwhelming sense that maybe, just maybe, God could do something magnificent. You know, I've always known as a, as a Christian leader and as I've grown up, you know, I don't have to agree with everything you think and say and you don't have to agree with everything I think and say to be willing to have an honest conversation and at some level bring unity. Because God says where there is unity, he commands a blessing. So here we were leading worship. The people were loud, singing, praising. When the actual songs finished, um, the people just kept singing. They didn't want anything to end. The beautiful youth orchestra, they followed me around like puppy dogs and they're going, we've got the fire. <laughs> we would pray with them and oh, it was so good. It was humbling and it was breathtaking. I felt like I was at a wedding. Anyway, I've got a clip to show you, and then I'm going to get into the content of my message. Thanks, team.
joy and within about five minutes I put up a little social media praise report of the double rainbow and on social media and then within five minutes I had this barrage of haters like not hundreds thousands a barrage of haters Christians criticizing criticizing the event criticizing my faith <laughs> don't go criticizing that now <laughs> so much so though because remember no one is a robot we're people right so much so that I took the piece down until I'd really just gone to God and asked for some clarity God's so good at every detail because right at that moment a lady from our church who's a great intercessory warrior, which is about 2 a.m. at home, she texts me this prophetic word about the angel of the Lord around me and that we were safe. So I was shocked and I was shaken by the comments. You know, you go from, ah, to like, ah. <laughs> and the haters were quick. The haters gonna hate, 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 hate. Taylor Swift, she had something right there. 
So my husband says, you know, never waste a good crisis. It's like, you've got to find what God is trying to do. And the Holy Spirit reminded me really quickly that throughout the Bible, there's story after story of people who stood up to say yes to things that were out of the ordinary for the sake of others, for the sake of the will of God. And they were often misunderstood and they were often criticised. And I had to quickly, in my heart of hearts, go to God and in my lack of understanding, be okay with not knowing what on earth was going on. So this morning I want to talk to you about living large and just challenge a couple of mindsets because leadership on your life as a Christ follower is developed as you wade through life's difficulties and not allow the circumstances or the pain or the things you don't understand to small you down or take you out. And I read this morning from the life of Joseph in Genesis 37. And you know the story of Joseph. He was dad's favourite. After being known as dad's favourite, after relaying a dream to his family that totally threatened his brothers, um, I love that he was innocent enough to share his dream, to share the God dream, to share the dream about his future. And it caused the brothers to get so upset. I actually love that Joseph was so pure that he thought they'd be really happy for him. Okay, and then we see now in verse 9, he has another dream. And he says he still had another dream and he related it to his brothers. Take two. Lo, I have had another dream. I love the Bible. So Shakespearean. And behold, the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. He related it to his father, to his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream that you've had? Shall I and your mother and your brothers actually come and bow ourselves down before you to the ground? And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in mind. So how does Joseph respond? How do you respond when you've been misunderstood? How does Joseph respond? He shows us. See, Joseph had the opportunity to get hurt and to small himself down and to retreat and pull away to match how he would have felt about his lack of applause from the people closest to him. But you know, he didn't do that. Even when he was stripped of his tunic, he was tossed into a deep and dry pit. The Bible actually says that the brothers did this and then while their brother is tossed in a pit, it says that the brothers actually sat down and had a meal. It was so evil. I love that when Jesus restores everything, what does he invite us to? A meal. He says, come and sit and feast with me. Joseph's life got worse before it got better. (laughs) He was put in a prison trying to hold him. But in the end, the largeness of the God within him was greater than the circumstances all around him. And some 20 years, no one wants to hear that bit, but some 20 years later, God vindicates Joseph. He gives him incredible wisdom in the journey of life, many, of opportuni- many opportunities to 
um, have his heart affected and to have himself small down. But every test, you see Joseph passing the test again and again. And in the end, God, when he vindicates Joseph, he doesn't do it, do it by killing his brothers. Now, we all think that would be good because they were rotten. But he doesn't do that. He exalts Joseph and he promotes him where others originally and mistakenly thought he was promoting himself. And then God uses Joseph's life to save the very ones who misunderstood and mistreated him. This is like the perfect picture of mercy. I love how God himself sent his prized son to hang on a cross to take care of all the misunderstandings and all of the shame and everything that we, you and I, have deserved. All the, the, um, the sh- oh, sorry, my jet lag brain. <laughs> all the treatment that we deserved. Jesus took it upon himself on a cross. And God could have just wiped us all out yet again, but he didn't. But because of love, he sent his beautiful son so that we could all live a life confident to say, I am redeemed. Taking all of us with him. His his heart is that not one is left behind. I can imagine Joseph's life turning out very differently if he did not have a large-heartedness about him. In other stories, I can, I can imagine Queen Esther's life turning out very differently had she not had a large-heartedness about her, thinking about the others. Joseph, thinking about the others. I can imagine a certain man, unnamed in Luke chapter 10, who was travelling from Jerusalem to Jericho when robbers beat him and stole from him and left him for dead. And the outcome would have been very different had not a large-hearted Samaritan come along, being willing to be interrupted, who came in and did what was needed in the situation. And if you look at all of these examples, this large-heartedness is necessary as we walk in to the future that God has for us. You know, he has birthed us and trusted us for such a time as this. The world is aching. The world needs people who are not quick to hate and quick to criticise the things we don't understand. But God is looking for a people who is quick to pray, quick to cheer on each other. Quick to sit and have a conversation. Quick to take the time. You know, since we've moved to the Central Coast and we were at Hillsong's church for 27 years and then the Holy Spirit literally over a series of miracles kind of called us out to pastor a church. It was as big a shock to us as anybody. But I've got to tell you this, that I've had to learn to have more margin in my day on purpose every day to be interruptible, to be able to stop. You know, in our life of program and 
kids' lessons and soccer and rehearsals and church and more church and more church and somehow we've got to find food in the middle of all that. And wow, isn't there a laundry fairy? No, there's not. Hallelujah. You know, as we get on about our, our day, how interruptible are you? You know, a largeness of heart requires us to intentionally create room. When we behave in a smallness of spirit, we become super critical. You can see it in yourself of things, large or small, and usually people criticise what they don't understand. And this is what I found out about the Rome event. The critics were not awful people, but obviously operating out of a small or even mean spirit. And so because of that, they totally missed the outcome of unity, but rather almost relished the thought of tearing something down that they didn't understand. Let me put it another way. Is everyone doing okay? Good, just checking. Let me put it another way. Um, Years ago, we built this big home. And I'm not one for formal areas. I'm like, if you're coming to my house, kick your shoes off, we're all good. Help yourself to the fridge. That's how we live. So we built this big home and there was no separate kind of living spaces, just this one massive room with a kitchen up the end and a full fridge. I loved it. It's a sanguine's idea of heaven, all bundled in together. But the lounge chairs, the furniture that we had from our old house, which was considerably smaller, we brought in to our new house. And I configurated them in the same way as I had configurated them in the old house. So here we've got this big room and inside it is this little couch configured the same way as it was in my little home. I'd reverted to a known configuration. It was my automatic response. One morning, I come out to grab some coffee and I walk into the room and suddenly it was like the Holy Spirit goes, I, and I've written it down, I have put you in a new place, a larger space. You need to grow on the inside to walk into your new spaces well. And I'm like, hmm, first the natural, then the spiritual. I looked at my ridiculous lounge in the middle of my humongous room going, You're up to something here. You know, we cannot step into new, larger spaces hanging on to our old, smaller mindsets. And that's what I want to challenge you about this morning. And I asked the Lord that morning, please challenge me and stretch me. A dangerous prayer. For again, if we cannot become large on the inside, we, you and I, we will miss so much of what God is trying to do through our lives, through our walking, our talking, our ordinary, everyday lived lives. Life is not about moments on a platform. Life is about what happens out there. And church, we can't be mean and small-spirited because we will miss what God is trying to do. So guess what the Holy Spirit brings to my attention? Jabez prayer. I'm like, (laughs) because I know the last time I I prayed Jabez's prayer seriously over about six weeks, what followed was a stretching time. 
So Jabez's prayer comes to me again. There's not a lot, not a lot known about Jabez. The word says he was honourable and his mother named him Jabez, meaning sorrow maker. Now that's encouraging. If everywhere you go, hello, sorrow maker. <laughs> Got to be careful what you call your kids. Like my name, Darlene, means dearly loved. It's a really nice way to walk, you know. Hello, dearly loved. I'm just like, oh, that's so good. Hello, sorrow maker. <laughs> In 1 Chronicles 4.10, though, the word of God says that Jabez called upon the God of Israel. Remember, he's known as sorrow maker because he brought about a painful birth for his mother. And he stands up. And I can't even imagine the stand up, that bigness moment in him as he stood up from being known as one who brings pain to making a choice to standing up and going, God, I don't want to be known as someone who brings pain. I want to be known as someone who brings glory to you. And he says this, oh, that you would bless me, enlarge my border. I don't want to be known as just a pain bringer. Enlarge my border, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from harm so that it might not bring me pain. And the next line is so perfect. And God granted what he asked. Church, it's a simple prayer, but prayed in faith. It is a powerful prayer. God, enlarge my border. Jabez was praying over his natural borders, his internal borders, his painful borders. He wanted them broken open and he wanted to enlarge his territory. What are you believing God for when it comes to your life and your territory? What is it? What is it that you want to walk out of being small? Maybe you've reverted to a natural configuration. It's just the way things have always been done around here. This is the way I've always done this. And yet you feel this stirring on the inside. Maybe some of you, you know, when you don't understand, you start to criticise or even criticise yourself not even others, and you talk yourself out of seeing God enlarge your borders. But you know in the days that we are living in where the earth is aching, and Isaiah 60, it says that the darkness covers the earth, even deep darkness covers the people, but the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. See, when you start to step out in the strength of God, but Jabez here is not asking for himself to be amazing. He's saying, God, I need you. I need your glory to break me through this pain barrier, to get me in to enlarging my borders, to walk out the things that you have destined for me in my life. In Jesus' name. So how large do we need to be? Well, how large is God's purpose for your life? I just don't think there's any limits. I really don't. God says if we just delight ourselves in Him, 
He will give us the desires of our hearts. So it's really simple, church. Delight yourself in Him. We can blame others. We can find ourselves nursing a critical spirit, a judgmental attitude, a pious approach to life, feeling self-righteous along the way. But I've got to challenge you this morning. All those things will keep you small because they're all rooted in pride. And if left unaddressed, they end up messing you up. And look out because like attracts like. Just look straight ahead. It's all good. (laughs) But if you do start to wonder why certain people are hanging around you, you need to have a good look at your language. So real quickly, how do we grow? Do you want to know? Yeah. It's not about eating more peanut (laughs) M&Ms. How do we grow in largeness of heart in this critical season in history? How do we become not like the haters, not like the ones who want to point the finger and pull down what we don't understand? Matthew 4, 5, 54 gives us a really good clue. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Amen. I know, be encouraged this morning. But you know, every time you say no to the flesh and say yes to what the Spirit of God is asking you to do, do you know it's like you grow on the inside. Every time someone spitefully accuses you and rather than you have this amazing attack back, I'm always good about 30 minutes later, I'm like, oh, I should have said that and that. I'm not really good on the spot. And then the Holy Spirit's like, no, you shouldn't have said anything. Good. (laughs) Every time you say no to fighting silly fights, every time you start to pray for those who hurt you, every single time you grow on the inside as you stretch your spiritual muscle. When you've been misunderstood, mistreated, misrepresented, how we want to justify ourselves, how we want to bring truth to the story. You can imagine Joseph in the pit hearing his brothers talking about him, being so nasty and here he is in the pit. Do you think he didn't want to go, that's not true? (laughs) But you know, over time, over the miraculous spirit of God at work in our lives. We watch our lives turn from being raw and hurt and small down to slowly but surely becoming healthy and robust in the things of God. So the word simply says, what do we do in the pain? We pray for our enemies. Pray for our enemies. There is nothing that brings a spiritual strength to your inner man than praying for those who have hurt you. And it's completely miraculous how the pain subsides through this act of worship. You know, it's part of the sacrifice of praise. It's a sacrifice of praise. Do we understand it? No. But do we know how to obey the word of God, church? Yes, we do.
And so we respond in faith rather than responding to our emotions. If the team could come, that would be great. Do you know, when I'd been a Christian for about 10 years, and that was a long time ago now, I felt God asking me to let go of some of the hurts from my childhood. And I wouldn't really criticise the ones who had hurt me, but I kept silent. And I held onto a large ball of pain. I would never say anything because I didn't feel like that was the right thing to do. But what happened, because I didn't acknowledge it and I didn't even bring it before the Father, became this large ball of pain that tried to emotionally cripple me. And as I brought these things to the Father, I remember writing out this letter. It was such a good letter to the particular person who had hurt me when I was a child. Oh, it was well-crafted. You know, I'm a songwriter. It had a little bit of, you know, it was nice enough to, um, poetic enough to kind of cover the jab. You know, brilliant. It was brilliant. (laughs) And when I got to the end of it, Holy Spirit says to me, send it to me. I'm like, what? It's such a good letter. He's like, send it to me. I asked you to pray for your enemies, not make yourself feel better by writing a great letter. So I folded up the thing and it's actually my husband who kind of took it out of my hand. (laughs) He said, good job, honey. And we just prayed and sent it to heaven. And then the Word of God says, go further. Don't just ask, you know, God, you know, I'm, I'm sorry for those moments. But he says, now I want you to pray for them. I want you to pray blessing over them. I want you to pray freedom over them. I want you to pray that they will have a God encounter like you're having a God encounter. And I can't even begin to tell you the things that happened in my heart. But it was like, and you know what accompanied my action of worship before the Father? Freedom. Freedom. It's like, whew freedom. This is awesome. This is not, oh, bringer of pain. This is, wow, freedom, freedom. Do you know we grow in largeness of heart, church, when we pray for those who have hurt us. Pray for those who have persecuted you. I'll read you a couple of other things. In Acts um, 7, 5, it talks about when we resist the Holy Spirit and that we just do things because our fathers did them. And and it actually says, don't be stiff-necked. Like, don't be stubborn. And I want to say that because I want to just say to this, discipline your speech over those who have hurt you. Your speech locates us. But 1 Thessalonians 5 says, encourage one another and build up one another. When you are tempted to pull someone down, can I tell you, zip it, baby, zip it. Take a moment and think of something that you can do that will bring courage and put courage in, in Jesus' name. Because, you know, a critical spirit is never pleased. A critical spirit is like an addict needing more of whatever he is addicted to. So if you're desiring a largeness of heart to build capacity in your inner man, which the Proverbs tells us to keep with all diligence, because this is where life comes from. Discipline what you allow to come into your life, what you allow to come into your ears, what you allow to come out of your mouth, be disciplined in your speech and ask the Holy Spirit to help you. 
Every time you say no to the flesh, I want you to remember this this morning, to say yes to the Spirit when it comes to your reactions. You grow on the inside. I don't know about you, church, but I want to have a largeness of heart because in my smallness of heart and in my lack of understanding, there's just so much I don't understand. But what I do understand is that the Father has asked us to pray. He's asked us to come and believe Him and be brave in our belief of Him and to trust Him with everything to do with judgment. Our job is to stand and pray for our enemies. So I want you to stand to your feet this morning. Is everyone okay? You're all amazing. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed.